Um, so you, you see that kind of the family focus video there, something we like to do a couple times throughout the year, particularly this time of year as we head into a new ministry season as the, as the school year kicks off, is just kind of refresh ourselves on what it actually is we're trying to accomplish around here, right? Like what, what separates this organization from any other nonprofit out there in the world, right? What's our mission? Why does Fieldstone Church exist um, and, and we answer that question kind of locally, right? Well, how are we unique in this part of the world? And then what's our, what's our big picture, picture mission as part of the body of Christ, the, the worldwide universal church that we're a part of? Um, and so we're going to get into each of those a little bit today, a little bit next week. Um, and so if, if you're newer to Fieldstone, our mission here is to transform family trees with the gospel. That's our local unique expression of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We're going to hit on those, those bigger ideas next Sunday um, when it comes to being part of the church. But uh, if you've uh, attended Fieldstone 101 in the past, and I happen to be the one uh, who was doing it that particular week, you probably heard the story of my grandparents because their, their story is a big part of how that family tree mission came about because as we look back on my family tree, we realize that those two individuals were the catalyst for an amazing change in our family tree because before them, all kinds of mess, right? All kinds of mess practically, all kinds of mess spiritually, and yet those two individuals coming out of um, unsaved households got married, started having kids, got invited to a church, and both gave their lives to Jesus. And if you look at our family tree spiritually, it is completely transformed because of a decision that those two individuals made 60 years ago. And now we're looking at three going on four generations completely different because of that decision that they made. And so that became a huge thing. And the family tree, uh, that thing be, continues to be a big deal in my family and in my life from a, uh, from a couple different angles. The first angle is just my family, right? We've got a couple kids, Hallie and Talon. Hallie just turned 13 recently. And like any parent, I continue to be amazed at the physical growth, that she's experiencing, the, 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 the maturation process that she's experiencing as a middle schooler now. Um, and it makes me think back to when I was 13. I think about, it was uh, 1995 when I turned 13. And I want you to try to imagine this type of a world. I know for some of you younger guys, it's going to be hard to picture a world like this. But back then, the tigers were terrible. We didn't really trust the Russians. Our president was a little bit creepy. I know it's hard to imagine a world in which those types of things exist, and yet that was the world that I grew up in at the age of 13. I think back on middle school. I think about family vacations. I think about uh, what I was into at that stage of life. And one thing is clear. Hallie, at this age, is on a different planet than I was at this age. We've got a, a, a couple of pictures to compare here. So that is Hallie and I at 12, both of us at the same age. One is a gorgeous, striking young woman, right? There's an awesome fierceness in those eyes that I love. The other one is a sixth grade boy wondering when the rest of his body is going to match his giant teeth, right? Like how, when, when, does this, when does this happen for me, right? And I want you to notice back here, this is not a shadow on the wall behind my ear. That is a mullet, a very curly mullet, and so I think about just the difference. She has uh, progressed quite a bit better than I have in life. I often wonder, like, would that girl have even talked to me? Um, uh, it would have been an act of grace if she had done so. But, uh, but it makes me stop and think, what got me from there to here? Right? That, that, 
that boy to who I am now? What were the moments? What were the decisions? What were the news stories that came across the TV? What were the forks in the road that I had to navigate? Who were the people that came and went and had a, a very quick impact? Who were the people who came and stayed as a part of my life all these years, helping guide me from that little pipsqueak to the man that I am today? And, and I wonder, what will those moments be for Hallie? Who will those people be for Hallie and for Talon and for the generation that even comes after them? And it's, when I think about family tree, it's not just my family, right? There's a different side of this than just my kids and my grandkids. I, I think about a kid named Stephen. Stephen was a kid in our youth group over in the Grand Rapids area years ago. I met him when he was a fifth grader. I was still in college, just an intern working with the middle school group at that time, hardly knew what I was doing. And Stephen was the kid, he liked to give me feedback on my Sunday school lessons. And it was usually stuff like, you know, Justin, I just wish it was a little deeper. I'm kind of looking for a little bit more meat, right? And I'm just like, how about you stop picking your nose and then we'll move on to like the, the deeper doctrines of scripture. So he was that kind of a kid. But we ended up actually getting really close as he got into middle school. He always seemed very interested in youth pastor stuff. So at one point, I let him teach at youth group. And uh, he was about Hallie's age. So he was seventh, eighth grade at that time. And so we decided to do a team teaching thing where, all right, you, you're going to do the intro, and then I'll come up, and I'll, I'll do this part, and then you close it out, that kind of a thing. And so uh, we prepped, and the day came. And I'm telling you, he was so nervous, right? Seventh grade boy, first time, hadn't had the public speaking class in school yet. Like, this is just a huge moment for him. He had worked hard. He was so scared, so nervous. And, and, and the, the talk came in. We got through youth group and the game and all the other stuff. And, they, and then we did the speaking thing. And as the night wrapped up, I met him in the hallway at, after everyone else was gone. And I said, hey, Stephen, how, how do you think it went? How do you feel? He's like, oh, I just wasn't good. You know, I, I was so nervous and I stumbled over that part and I, my voice was shaking. And I feel like, you know, I was holding my paper and the paper was shaking. I just felt so stupid up there. It was dumb. And I got to show him the response card of a young lady who had visited that night. And when Stephen had shared the gospel and gave the kids a chance to respond, she had given her life to Jesus at the end of that talk. And I got to tell him about that conversation. And I got to see his eyes light up and realize, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad. And I got to say, well, it was still kind of bad. But, but, it, <laughs> but it doesn't matter that it was bad, right? There was a pivotal moment for him to understand that it's not about your words and about what it's about you offering yourself in that moment, letting the Holy Spirit do its job and have this great thing. It just blew his mind. And he's a youth pastor down in Kentucky now. And, and we still talk every month. And he's way older now than I was when he and I first met. And following him, following his growth and maturation process, it blows my mind as watching my own kids grow up. And so is, is that not part of my family tree? I want to look at Psalm 127 this morning. Um, actually, in a world where family tree stuff is a major part of what we do, it's amazing that we haven't hit this um, as it relates to our mission. But we're going to hit it today. Psalm 127 Let's do verses 1 and 2 to kick it off. It's probably on some of you guys' refrigerators. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early, in vain you stay up late, in vain you toil for food to eat, because he grants sleep and he provides for those that he loves. Now, this can absolutely 
be used as a challenge and an encouragement for those who tend to rely on their own strength. Right? That's a, a, a very reasonable, accurate representation of this passage. For those who, who tend to do things by human wisdom, by human strength, to accomplish human goals and dreams and plans, to provide for ourselves. This is similar to what Solomon discovers in Ecclesiastes, where he, he discovers, hey, on our own, it's all meaningless. Our calling is to love and fear and pursue God with our lives, and the rest falls into place underneath that. Anything else is in vain. Anything else done by our own will, our own strength, our own purposes is meaningless. And so this, these, that's a valid challenge, a valid point from this text. We're, we're not to work in vain for our own glory and our own purposes. God is in control. He's working for us, fighting for us, providing for us. And it's in reliance on him that we experience true rest. And this is, Jesus echoes this in Matthew 11. With, hey, take my yoke. I'm, I'm going to give you rest. Just lay yourself at my feet and things will be different. But then as we jump into verses three to five here, it feels like it's making a leap to something different, right? But as we tie it in, I think, I think verses three to five give us a deeper clue into what he's actually referring to in verses one and two. I, I don't think, as we read verse three, I don't think it's shifting gears to talking about family. I think it reveals that one and two are talking about family the whole time. So let's hit verse three. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So he, he shifts gears to talking about kids and family, but to me it doesn't make any sense unless the whole passage is talking about the same topic. It, it, it makes sense more to me if, if verses 3 and 5 are actually providing some context for verses 1 and 2. So I, I want to think about verses 3 to 5 in the context of the ancient world a little bit, the, the, the ancient cities that were founded as things were getting going for humanity. So just real quick, um, it's going to feel like a strange place to go, but I want to go to Genesis 10 real quick. And this is post-flood, right? They've, they've come out of the ark, Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, just the small family group that came through the flood in, in the ark, and they're coming out, and they start to spread out, right? They start to be fruitful and multiply as God commanded way back at the beginning and restated that command for them. And here's how they kind of start to, to spread out a little bit as family. So Genesis uh, 10 starts with the lineage of Japheth, Goes through, hey, here's his sons and their sons, and this is how this family tree expanded. And then in verse 5, it says, From these peoples spread out into their territories by their clans within their nations, each with its own language. So they expanded, and their family became their territories based on their clan. We see something similar with Ham, who comes up next. And we go, here's Ham, here's his sons and their sons. And this is how this family tree expanded. And so when we look at verse 20, it says, These are the sons of Ham by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. So it's their family, their nations, their territories. And we see the same thing from Shem. It talks about his lineage, his family tree. Here's how this family expanded. Then in verse 31, These are the sons of Shem by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. So these people, these individuals, these small but growing families were spreading out. They were expanding and forming territories and nations and cities by family. And we see this again later uh, as we get into Deuteronomy and then into Joshua as they're entering into the promised land after they escaped from Egypt and came through the wilderness. They were assigned territories and cities by family. 
by those 12 tribes of Israel. And so for them, if you're building a house, you're building it for your growing family. If you are watching over a city, if you're responsible for a city, if you're anxious about the status and the safety and the provision of a city, you're watching over your family. You're responsible for your family. You are anxious about the safety and the status and the provision of your family because that city was founded by and expanded by a family tree. Now, not 100%, right? There are some bits of migration and things, people moving into town for various reasons, but by and large, it was by family. And so in their world, in their context, their city was their family tree. And so when you think back on verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 127 with that context, well, all of a sudden we can read it as, unless the Lord builds the family, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the family tree, it is guarded in vain. Outside of God's hand, all efforts to grow and protect and nurture are in vain. And he reminds us that even though you might sleep, while you sleep, God is still building and watching, and providing. So now back to verses 3 to 5, because we see something else pretty interesting in verse 3 to 5 as it starts talking about children. I want Some of you are sitting out there and you're like, oh, this is the part of the year where Justin ignores us for a couple weeks, right? We don't have kids. Maybe we can't have kids. Maybe we don't have kids yet. Maybe we had kids and they're growing up, right? So don't check out on me. This is for all of us. This is for all of you. Verse 3, it starts talking about children, arrows, quiver. That word for children means children, right? Yes, of course, right? So, so remember, I'm, uh, we're, we're trying to, I'm not trying to uh, ignore the obvious definition and ramifications of this passage. I'm trying to expand it so that you can all understand that this is not just about moms and dads. This is about all of us. So that word means children. That word can also and is used to mean youth or young people. Right? Joe's back there like, yes, still got a job. Teenagers are important, right? This is great. It means youth or young people. This word is also used to mean people of a nation. Right? And that kind of fits with the context we talked about and the, the ancient world that we talked about. This word also is used to mean members of a guild, members of an order, members of a class, or part of a tribe, part of a body. And so when verse 4 says children are like arrows, this is for parents and families, right? Of course, right? We're not, not ignoring the obvious in this passage. It, it applies. It matters. But what I'm trying to, I'm trying to expand that takeaway. Make sure you understand that this passage, this challenge, our church's mission isn't just for young families. Because it's also about the nature of arrows, we're a hunting family. I know we have many hunters in our church, especially when it comes to archery hunting. You didn't make all of your arrows, right? Arrows are made, arrows are purchased, arrows are borrowed. And you think about the ancient world, especially when times were toughest, arrows were made and cared for and made sharp and then sent out for the good of the whole community. And so what I'm trying to say is, just because you don't have kids doesn't mean you don't have arrows, or just because you had arrows at one time and they've already left the quiver doesn't mean that you don't have arrows. Offspring, young people, young members of the tribe are like arrows and blessed is the one whose quiver is full. 
The body of Christ is like a house. It's like a city. It's like a family. And arrows are like our family tree. I made my best effort at some drawing. I'm not an artist. Hallie's way better at that than me. I should have had her come up and draw some things for me. So I did it ahead of time so I could rip several pages off of this nice uh, pad here as I perfected my picture. You've got a picture of an archer here just to kind of help you with the visual, right? So, so you think about what arrows do for us, especially in the age before guns. If you're in a, a situation where you're trying to provide food for your family or defend your family, defend your city, an archer, an arrow, allows you to have an impact well beyond where you can physically reach. Right? A sword can be dangerous. Your fists can be dangerous. You can use your physical strength. And yet if the enemy is far out, if the enemy is approaching, if the game is too far out for you to physically handle it within your space. An arrow allows you to reach out and have an impact far beyond what you can physically handle. Think about a family tree. A family tree, where you begin, where you start to have offspring, have your own children and grandchildren. All of a sudden, you as an individual have an impact on the world beyond what you can physically reach. You are having an impact on the world based on the influence of your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, the distant parts of your family tree. Personality, physical qualities, career choices, all of those things being played out because of the influence of people that were in your past. And the same plays out for you. You can have an impact on what? 80 years? 90 years? 100 years for a few? A family tree gives you impact well beyond what you can physically reach. And all of a sudden, generation after generation after generation can be different, can be impacted based on your influence many years before. Kids do that as part of your family tree. Grandkids do that as part of your family tree. But here's the thing. Spiritual investment does that. Each branch is an arrow unleashed from your quiver. Each kid is an arrow. Each person impacted is an arrow. How valuable are those who are young to the tribe, new to the tribe? How blessed is any family, any body to have those who are young and learning and growing? Young by age, yes, but also young in their walk with Christ, maybe both at the same time. How blessed is the person who is active in the life of another, helping to unleash them like an arrow for impact on behalf of the community, on behalf of the kingdom. Two sides of a quick application today, and then we'll get out of here this morning. First side, within your family, for those of you where the family tree is your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, within your family... Your personal walk with Jesus determines the aim of your arrows. Your personal walk with Jesus determines the aim of your arrows. Your arrows are an extension of your aim, your life, your faith, your focus. And we've, we've said this before. This comes up especially when we do child dedications, right? What you value, they will value. What you prioritize, 
they will prioritize. What you celebrate, they will celebrate. Of course, ultimately, kids have to choose for themselves, right? Faith in Jesus, that relationship can't be passed down through DNA. It has to be a personal choice. And so we're not talking about 100%, right? But if, but if you're valuing the things of God and prioritizing the things of God and celebrating the things of God, I like your chances. You get to set the tone. You get to set the example. So what is your aim? Your personal walk with Jesus will determine the aim of your arrows. How about within the body of Christ, right? Arrows that maybe weren't yours to begin with. And yet God has given you an opportunity to unleash them. I want you to remember that God owning the work, right? It's on him, right? If if God is not doing it, the labor is in vain, right? The protection is in vain. The provision is in vain. But God owning the work doesn't eliminate the need for builders and guardians. God doing the work doesn't eliminate the need for builders and guardians. So where are you building? Where are you watching? Where are you laboring? In the ministry context, not talking about biological children or adopted children, talking about in the ministry context, are you filling your quiver? In the ministry context, are you filling your quiver? Our Fieldstone mission is transforming family trees with the gospel because what we know is that one, when one person experiences change, when one person gets it, when one person gives their life to Jesus, when one couple commits their lives to Jesus and raising their family based on that truth, it isn't just that one person. It isn't just that one couple. It is generation two, three four generations, an entire family tree that is transformed because of that decision to believe the gospel. Because when one arrow is unleashed, this speaks to the importance of families, yes, but also highlights the importance of the local body of believers working together. We all build and we all protect and we all preserve and we all raise and train the young. Young in years, young in the faith, in full reliance on God and what his Holy Spirit can do. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we, we just acknowledge that as much as we want to do, as much as we have been empowered to do, it has to be you, Father. It has to be your Holy Spirit working in our hearts, working in the hearts of those that we love, transforming us from the inside out, and God ultimately transforming those that we have impact on. God, as we go through our days Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. God, as we go through our weeks, help us not to see people as commodities, as hurdles to get over on our way to what we want to do, but God, help us to see them as arrows that can be added to our quiver, souls and lives that can be unleashed with the gospel, Father. Help us to see and take advantage of those opportunities to have an impact beyond just ourselves, beyond our space beyond our years. And may we be faithful to that mission. In Jesus' name, amen.